0: That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, my good friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Doom, one of the great granddaddies of video game IPs and another look at her great glory. Dan settles in for some alien slaughter. We talk getting high in the bath and the top three ways to get her done in there. Titans Clash or Titans Smash. Microsoft and Sony are getting cozy together in the cloud. Valve trademarks a Dota thing. Are they shifting focus away from their stinker artifact and backyard planting? How about those savings? We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh, so stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, he is still wearing rubber
1: pants. Dank Dan. Andy, I'm uh, getting some unsettling readings here from Mars Base 7 looks like the moon phobos i bet you those dang marines open another portal to hell or who knows what nether realm oh dear well i'm getting some unsettling
0: readings from your underbridges dan why
1: when you open a portal it's never to like the jello dimension or like the the pillow (laughs) dimension it's always it's always hell yeah that's true you would expect at some point you'd end up in candyland I mean, it's the roll of the dice, you'd think. But no, the demons, they're waiting just outside your periphery. I like how in, yes. in your opening you said aliens. Buddy, Doom, it's its demons, buddy. Come on. It is Come demons, on. isn't it? You're better yeah. than that. Yeah. Well, they're like alien-looking demons,
0: and they're on the fucking moon, so technically they're aliens. Who's to say that they're not aliens and demons? Me, right
1: now. They're on the moon. Sorry, sir. No. They're specifically... I'm sorry. They but- came out with pentagrams
0: carved in their heads (laughs) that's fine we can't be taking an alien culture and classifying it as a demonic culture just because they like
1: pentagrams of satan they're literally from the seventh circle of hell
0: yeah be more tolerant Dan. i think that's the lesson for all of us here today fair enough
1: yeah how are you buddy good to see
0: you here again good to smell you from all the way over here in my my roost you're in your roost we're roosting together did you just have a stroke (laughs)
1: you have a big old stroke?
0: I wanted, I wanted to go with a roosting theme. I feel very cozy You're, right now. Do you feel
1: like uh, like a flightless bird of some kind? Or?
0: Uh, well, birds that roost typically aren't flightless because roosting is distinct from the act of just existing, which is what a flightless oh, bird I'm does. I'm so tired of this
1: already podcast over
0: (laughs) we have three minutes in Uh, In the you know that's not bad usually it's usually it's prior to three minutes where we uh, where we stroke out Mm -hmm. oh wait we (laughs) We did did stroke stroke out out. I stroked out again stroking out together
1: do you have to fly to roost can you not like I can't roost without flight I can't just hunker down. I think you. Ju- I would think you think can so. just hunker down, my dude. I think you can just. If you have like a feathery bird butt, you just lower yourself to the ground, give yourself a little waggle, and you're roosted. Home slice. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue that. I can't argue that. How are things, Dan? Um, how are th- how <laughs> things, Dan? It's been good man. I, if, he, if you can tell, I'm like seven days into a two week vacation. I'm glorious. I'm supple. My back is no longer uh, ropey. It's been it's been masseused. I haven't looked at uh, any kind of report filing or or any kind of technical document in nigh on seven days, and it, it feels tremendous. Actually, the muscles of my eyes have, rela- have relaxed to the point when I looked at the screen to get this this show on the road it took them a couple of seconds to properly focus in they're like oh we're looking at things all right <laughs> Two who gets two week vacations
0: any anyway? like are you a school child yeah well, like, I mean is this summer vacation yeah. what happened Dan
1: that you have two weeks of vacation that's not a thing I have a special confluence of events where like every month I get a week off that's just kind of how my job works and uh, so when I book a week of vacation next to that week off that's two weeks bada bing bada boom lasagna well from all of us over here in the real world. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, let me tell you, I'm chilling with I'm chilling with school teachers, uh, deep sea divers, you know, other people that get like massive time off. And then there's the unemployed. Yeah, I don't know if you're pretty. I don't yeah. know if it's time off if you don't have a job. I'm always it on vacation. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean. Um, just yeah, my my wife left me last year. Now it's like
0: she's always out of town. Am I right? Listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're unemployed, we're sending you some good vibes. Oh yeah, bud. it's coming. It's coming your way. I feel it for you right now. And your buddy Andy right now is saying employment. It's finding its way to you. Yeah.
1: And in terms of your wife, we're gonna find you a better wife.
0: You can always find a, a, a better a better partner in life, Dan. If uh, if you're down and out, I don't want I don't want to make that statement at all. <laughs>
1: Andy, can I ask you a question? This this literally popped into my head earlier today. Um, you, sure? so, you know with twenty-three andme me doing its thing, you can get these uh, you know, spit in a jar and they'll send you back some genetic results. So in the scenario uh-huh. that you and and your your wife spit. That's how we found out that you were really my son. That's the. I mean, you must have traveled back in time to do some serious uh, pipeline, and I'm proud of you for that. Anyway, uh, back to my hypothetical. Some serious biological. Stick damage. with me, buddy. This one's a tough one. So, say you 23 and me. You send that spit away, and the report comes back that you and your wife are related. How close or far away does that relation have to be for you to stay the course? And, or how close or far away does that have to be you're like you have to say well nice nice knowing you. I mean as a loving husband you know um I don't
0: think that that's a real you know there, there's no real consideration there you just you just stay the course and and pray for forgiveness so later So first cousins you're 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 all in I mean man you know if if you made it this far my brother's sister separated yeah. at birth that's just a beautiful story I, <laughs> It's
1: about a family coming together <laughs> through adversity I just I hate I hate how you position uh, that. Well, there's another joke there. We're just gonna let that one drift on. Uh, We're gonna start because uh, right I, on I fast. think for me, second cousin, second cousin. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around. Otherwise, I'm changing my name and I'm I'm moving to Iceland. That's you're what a prude you are, Dan. I don't. I think it's more. Yeah, maybe I'm a prude. Uh, this this jumped in my mind. I was uh, I was perusing some news articles from last year. And uh, somebody, uh, I think it was it was through 23andMe or something else, but a couple of gentlemen that um, w- uh, were uh, a couple uh, found out that they're <laughs> long lost brothers. And the 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 title of the the newspaper article was "Super Smash Brothers?" Question <laughs> mark. And the look on their face was shock and regret.
0: <laughs> I can't laugh at that. That's just a tragedy. It's the worst. It's the worst situation, right? It's the worst situation. Yeah, I know. It's by far and away the worst situation. If you guys are still out there together, know that you got one one person rooting for you. I always pray for love, man. I'm always a, I'm behind love no matter what it looks when like. It
1: come, comes to brothers doing it, and he's just a romantic on this one. I just I
0: really don't like how we
1: started this podcast. There's a good chance I really don't that like this, this part, is, this part particular uh, right here, might get trimmed off. We may have gone a little bit into the red. There, or the brown, whatever. <laughs> oh,
0: it's important God, to play man. it loose.
1: Okay, uh, segue, you son of a bitch. Oh my Jesus. <laughs>
0: Listen, it worked for the Targaryens.
1: It can work for mm-hmm, you too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why... I think we've already talked about this once. That's why they call it Blue Blood. Because literally, the, the gene pool is getting so small uh, and shallow th- with the royals that, like... It, uh, an actual strategy was brought in to like sneak in some stable boys and and some farm maids in there just to just to keep the bloodline a little bit thick because people were getting sickle cell and anemia and yeah they were come is this a history lesson yeah this is
0: a real thing that happened
1: yeah 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 it's like uh, you, you can read about it well it's a problem because the royal families like the 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 Russian czars and the House of Winchester the 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 British dynasty were all related Catherine the Great peter the great they're all related so they need to that's the problem you're like well we got to keep the bloodline pure well that's not how nature intended nature intended a little bit of promiscuity so it's not set up for that you start having vestigial tails and bad news Alright.
0: So this is a podcast <laughs> about weed and video games. If you've not heard the Purple Dungeon Squid before, this is the kind of nonsense you are in, in for. for. Along with a in for. Along with a healthy helping of weed and video games. I like weed, Dan. Do you like weed? Oh, I'm a big fan. You know where I like weed, Dan? That? You know where I like to enjoy my weed. Actually, um, I've recently started taking a lot of
1: baths. <laughs> I uh, it's, it's, it's official, worst podcast ever. Who is this for? It's, it's for people who enjoy relaxing baths and light incest conversation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, take it from oh, baths, Lord take Elvis. it from baths.
0: Uh, it's okay, <laughs> it's okay. Keep it all, keep it all, man. Right, it's yeah. authentic. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 how we really feel. Yeah, it's, how it's how we really, really feel. feel. Um, <laughs> Uh, Listen, I've been a shower
1: <laughs> I've been a, I've been shower, a shower man. man. <laughs> oh, God. Oh,
0: I'm crying. I'm crying a little bit inside and out. Uh, a- okay.
1: <laughs> uh, Tell us about your baths. I'm in a shower man. I... <laughs> uh- you know what I've been? I've been a moist towelette guy. I mean you just you get to the yeah. sink at KFC, four mice moist yeah. towelettes will do you, one quarter until per towelette. You just you just wipe down and and boy, you leave there lemony fresh, you're ready for that Tinder date. <laughs> she's she, oh, she's the lucky God, lady. I'm glad,
0: I'm glad you speak my variety of nonsense, Dan. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
0: Um mm-hmm. so listen, I've I've been a shower man for a good long while um and and i say this i say this uh, a little bit regretfully because the bath is such a beautiful ritual you know i'm Mm -hmm. i'm i'm a busy guy dan you're a busy guy well no you're not not. this week you're on two weeks of vacation not this week not i mean holy but um you know i'm a busy guy specifically um and you know I didn't really realize the power of an Epsom salt bath. Let me tell you something. You get your magnesium in there, in that tub, in a crystalline form, and you lean back into some quality relaxation. And you know what you do, Dan? What do you do? You pop yourself a little bit of weed. Yeah, you get some weed involved in that situation. Mm-hmm. For real, the marriage of those two things has become just about the best recipe for amazing that I've uh, that I've experienced in in recent memory.
1: Um, are you a bathman, Dan? Oh, buddy. Uh, joking aside, I, I, I very rarely would do take a bath, but um, the Epsom salt one is something I've tried. And I, I don't know about you, but do you notice that you sweat a lot? Like that somehow the salt like brings up your body's heat like you it feels like you're sweating stuff out do you get that sensation
0: yeah i mean you know i have to think and maybe this is um some unproven hippy dippy science nonsense um but uh you know i have to believe that it draws some of those toxins out of your body um and similarly you get that injection of magnesium with this so, which is so important for controlling your mood and your stress levels and i mean listen we all many of us i should say participate in cannabis for exactly that reason yeah. to lessen anxiety to improve mood to, um, you know, just, just help a, an overall feeling of well-being. It goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, cannabis has a lot of wellness elements to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, the combo of bath and cannabis has been a really eye-opening thing. It's, it's created a whole new level of enjoyment for me, and, and it's become a real ritual. And so I wanted to... <laughs> i'm doing it for me Dad. i'm doing it for me yeah
1: i mean so like i've been back and forth on this salt bath thing for a while because like i've read i did some research and most of the scientific community says it's hogwash but then you know a lot of the holistic community says it, it, it 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 does amazing things and i think the truth probably is in the middle but you know what i like to do is when i get in there and i Put that salt bath together i also like to put a couple sprigs of thyme in there just so i can really really act like i'm uh, brining a turkey you know i want to come out there smelling like thanksgiving <laughs> 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 oh that's i really don't
0: like how you're mocking me right now but that is funny um i like to put some suds in there dan let me tell you there is a child like especially you got a little buzz on there is a feeling of childlike wonder at injecting a little bit of bath soap you got some bubbles going on you feel a little luxurious let me tell you when was the last time you played with some some bubble
1: soap in the tub dan oh buddy uh 87 88 i just yeah i just picture you rolling up and listen i'm not like a hyper masculinity guy i see you p- rolling up it's a it's a mixer you have a cocktail in your hand you roll up to a group of of guys of similar age to yours and you say you guys bath guys <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey tom tom does you read his name tag tom you like a good bath Oh, yeah, you, like to bat. you like to get down with a bath, but Just the butt? canyon yeah. of silent stairs that you'd be with. There's no right answer to that. Because it feels no. like the follow-up is... Because I'm running one right now on, on the third floor, 302. Who's in? <laughs> I mean, it's like,
0: are you thinking about me in the tub, uh, one?
1: You want, to talk about my, you want to talk about my tub if habits? If you get a phone call from a friend and, and he's in the bath, how do you feel about that?
0: I feel just fine about that. You want to include me <laughs> in your relaxation session right. and in a totally platonic mm-hmm. consensual manner, yep. I'm in. Give me a ring. Okay. Call call me anytime mm-hmm. if you're taking a bath and you just want to jibber. Just want to jabber on that relaxation note.
1: I having a little me time. I got a half a lid of lavender scent in the air and I'm just letting it all you go. You know why, Dan?
0: Because I'm going to get the best you. The best. I'm going to get the best you in that Supple. tub. I'm going to Get the best you in that tub and that's what i'm driving home right now the bath is going to bring out the best you you get some magnesium in there hell let's go for a little time or maybe lavender get it in there get some suds going and then vape a little weed mm-hmm. i have to say it i think vaping the cannabis is probably the best way to get it going in the tub mm-hmm. the joint so you know another great way because once once you've lit that joint and it's going, there's a real luxurious kind of smoke swirling around outside the tub.
1: It's very, uh, it, I don't, it, it's, it's enchanting. A cool atmosphere, it's enchanting. Right? There's no it, question, but you got to watch those bath fingers though. It seems once you've got in the tub, it's impossible to get like a dry set of fingers going. You have to have like exactly. a joint towel ready to rock. I wonder, I wonder if the cannabis community has got out of control to the point they've made like a CBD oil bath bomb. Yes, so we'll go there in a second uh-huh. because I think that
0: that's, that's the future, Dan. But, you know, to, to, to touch on the joint, that is the issue that I've discovered in my bath experimentation. Um, you know, you want to get in the tub. You want to play with the suds a little bit, you know, and, and you, you want to be able to put down your joint and pick it back up and have a couple puffs. What I can recommend for you is a small, and I will say the word, Dan, towelette. Get yourself... Get yourself a towelette in that tub. Andy, is
1: this this segment a joke that you're playing on me? I've never been more uncomfortable in any of our segments, and I'm, like, trying to yes and this thing, but dear Lord, it just won't stop.
0: (laughs) I'm telling you, listen, I'm I'm learning you some wisdom. Wisdom comes from the uncomfortable places. I just have to tell you this. Men take
1: showers, Andy. Men, (laughs) No,
0: no. No, no. I, I implore you, sir. Walk
1: that uh, back. So, it's, I'm, so It, is, it is wrong-headed of me to say that, and maybe I just needed to get that out of my system, but it's just like, can you picture, like, Tom, Todd the steel worker, he's 55, he comes home, he's covered in gristle and black black soot, and he's like, Honey, uh, how long day? Uh, I'm gonna get in the bath.
0: <laughs> I'll be there. Can you yeah, get my lavender? Listen. Let's embrace that. Todd, if you're out there, you get in that tub. You get that tub time. It's you time. You get in that tub time. Yeah. I'm telling you, buddy. This is a real thing. So let me get back to it. Oh, God. There's enjoy, more. There's lots more. If you're going to enjoy a joint in the tub, what you need is a bath caddy. All right, this is the secret. A bath caddy goes across the top of the tub. It's usually made of bamboo. Sometimes you can get those wire-racking metal ones. I don't recommend them. They rust. They're pretty weird. Get yourself a nice bamboo bath caddy, a little ashtray, you can, uh, you can have your joint just sitting there for the perfect moment, a towelette right beside, ready to dry your hands off, and that is the key element. I would say almost nothing beats a, jo- a joint in the tub unless you've got wet hands, and then it's just a bad situation, right? Get yourself a dry hand. Enjoy that joint. It's a good time. Failing that, get yourself a vape. No bath caddy, no problem. Vape is excellent in the tub, very non-harsh on the lungs, contributes to that overall sense of well-being, right? You mentioned... A tincture, a bath bomb, some sort of bath product. What do you think about that, Dan? I haven't tried it, uh, but I can imagine <laughs> running my tub, <laughs> getting my suds going, dropping in a little bath bomb, and, s- and settling into an osmosis high by osmosis tub. That feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have to drink that water though? Like, how does it get in you? Really, I,
1: I'm pretty sure your 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 skin is semi porous. I think you're kind of exchanging. fluids all the time through your skin can we not Can we just fast forward is there more (laughs) there's no more listen thank you you've ate it on my bath for long enough
0: but i will tell you cannabis and baths Mm -hmm. beautiful experience go try it for yourself dan listen i challenge you i challenge you to give it a try and report back can you commit that to me dan can you do it for your old pal andy hard no (laughs) come
1: on don't be so inflexible just say yes all
0: right well that didn't feel very firm, but I'm gonna hold you to it.
1: <laughs> it's like uh I I was uh committed to making that as unsatisfying as possible. Yes, you were indeed. Uh good stuff, buddy. Send pics. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. What are you what are you segue, Dan? Why don't you go to the next thing there you had to talk about? Uh, go ahead. What's the next thing? Go ahead, Dan. What's the next thing? I don't know. Why do not you fucking tell me, Dan?
0: <laughs> Apparently, baths aren't good enough. Apparently, the, the bath is an issue. So, let's, why don't we move to the you next know, thing?
1: You know, Andy, I wish I was as secure a man as you are to just open my heart and let the world know I'm a bath man. <laughs> I'm trying not... I'm try, buddy, I am going to take a bath and think about you. And it's going to be special.
0: <sighs> Speaking of steamy topics... Hot. Have you seen the new... Well, I should say that the new, the final Game of Thrones. No,
1: I'm. I haven't. I haven't. And I've already been spoiled. I hopped on Facebook, and uh, this person who whom no, she knows who she is. She put the spoiler in image no. in image form in a funny meme. Come on, to express her frustration, and I'm like, hey, 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 spoilers. She's like. Oh, if you didn't see it on the launch day, then what's your problem? I'm like, God damn it! I needed to. That's just I, not cool. I was saving it for the tub. <laughs> That's I like you get in the spirit. I'm in Darren. the spirit.
0: Um, l- listen, uh, for me, there's nothing more inexcusable than spoilers. What do you think is the acceptable window? Like, a m what do you think? Like a month? No, more than that. It feels like a month isn't even close to enough. It feels like don't spoil things ever. I think that like.
1: It's it's highly it's highly like uh, subjective. If it's a movie, you have like if it's a series, of movies you have till that next movie can't comes out. But I think just in general, you always give a little warning shot before you let the spoiler go. Right, you don't blurt it out. You don't make it so that once you've seen it, the picture or I've heard what you've said. Like you don't just jump say, "Isn't it crazy how Darth Vader is Luke's dad?" Like you don't just open with that you like you warn no. each like, you because like you just did you go hey, have you seen the last episode because that's that's courteousness that's that's like and, and to a certain degree you kind of have to stay off social media a bit to protect yourself I didn't see uh, Endgame till like three weeks after and I was like ducking and dodging um, a part of it was spoiled for me uh, but it was minor and uh, you know I dodged it but it's it was a big one it even uh marvel themselves are like we're you guys have two weeks to see the film because then we're putting out spider-man uh three trailer uh far from home or whatever it is and it has spoilers because obviously like spoilers is a new uh, spider-man movie so spider-man makes it you know so they're they're just like it's kind of built into the system a bit you know what i'm saying
0: yeah, no, I get that. I mean I feel like the statute of limitations on spoilers, whether it be video games or movies or whatever, you know, part of it is part of it is an accessibility question. And Game of Thrones, like three days after the premiere or whenever you saw the spoiler, or not premiere, but the the final episode that's just irresponsible, mm-hmm. because there are there are eight seasons. There's like, I don't know, what, 180 hours of Game of Thrones or something like that? There's a lot there. Yeah, so if you just got onto the hype train, you know, I don't know, a few weeks ago or a month ago, because the whole world's been talking about Game of Thrones and you wanted to check it out, man, if I was halfway through season three and I saw that shit go up on the internet, I would be furious, and like, you're not just going to avoid the internet for the two months that it takes you to w- catch up on the series. I've been watching the series since November because um, I only got into it at that point after having read the books you know, a couple years ago and and not really getting into the, the show. Now, I mean, the show has been probably... And, and this is all I'll say about it because you haven't seen it. Obviously, I'm not going to spoil it on a podcast where we talk about how spoilers are the devil. The ending, regardless of what you hear on the internet, absolutely perfect in my books. You like it. Last hey? season... Incredible, Loved it. Loved the way it wrapped up. Very satisfying. Very happy with the whole thing. Um, you know, but to, to expect that everyone's seen the season finale or the series finale uh, three days after it's aired when there's plenty of folks back on the bandwagon who are just beginning to, you know, enjoy Game of Thrones again. If I had seen a spoiler, I would have been devastated because it would be spoiling one of the greatest, maybe the greatest TV series of all time, in my opinion.
1: I like... I- I kind of knew deep inside my bowels that whatever I wanted out of this series, it had already taught me many times that it was not going to give it to me. It was going to be painful, the process. It was going to stick it in and break it off, you know, just as it had, you know, subverting our expectations all the way along. So it's one of those things that if I don't like it, it's still correct. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah,
0: I mean, listen, for me, Game of Thrones, um, for me, Game of Thrones maybe didn't go exactly the way that I would have wanted it to go, but I just, I have so much respect for the way that it ended up and so much respect for the show in general and the overall storyline. I mean, damn, dude, like, you know, they could have finished. All I can say is this they could have done absolutely nothing after episode five or even after episode three, and it would have been a perfect series. How they ended it, though, Made it excellent. So if you haven't seen it, avoid spoilers. See as soon as you can. Because to be spoiled on this would be a real crime. Yeah, that's just science. You know what else is science? What's that? Squishing weed. Guess who got a rosin press, Dan? Are you playing the violin, dude? <laughs> Come on, man. That's not the only place the rosin exists. Rosin, a rosin press. So, okay. Let me, let me frame this for you. Um, at our office... We had a package come in, and what it is is a prototype rosin press. So, if you're a, a concentrates guy, someone who likes, and it, please forgive me because the terminology behind what actually comes out of a rosin press, as opposed to just saying rosin, somewhere between, you know, shatter and, and, uh, you know, uh, wax, let's say, um, is. A miraculous thing. So you basically, you take your one gram or two gram uh, bud, you put it in this 3000 PSI press, and it will squish the weed until all of the beautiful THC and juices come out and form this sticky rosin that you can then dab or put in your vaporizer or whatever it is it's a concentrated terpene rich beautiful way to consume cannabis if you love extracts um you know it's a great way to 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 make them at home if you're not going to do the whole extraction method of like shatter for example with butane and all the other fancy chemicals um yeah man it's like it's like organic extract making
1: so, oh, how is this thing powered? Is it hand-powered? Is it pneumatic? Is it electrical? What's the deal?
0: So, a rosin... So, rosin presses are... Um, sorry, like one sp- sec. Rosin specifically cannabis. Specifically, the
1: one you have, like, describe it. Well, how is it powered? Do you plug that sucker in or what?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely... I mean, it's definitely a plug-in kind of thing because you're dealing with uh, about 3,000 PSI, I think it is. Sure. So... This is this looks I mean, this is a pretty I think at retail, it's about 800 bucks, right? So this is not a this is not a small toy. Um, And you know, what you end up with is a device that looks somewhat industrial in nature. It's about, I'd say like a foot and a half most most Robin rosin presses I've seen that for home use are like a foot and a half to two feet tall by like a foot wide. Uh, and very industrial looking. Like, obviously, 3000 psi is quite a lot. So, you could do some serious damage with that, and obviously need to take some safety precautions. But, and I'm, I just pulled up the information on Leafly here. So, basically, the pitch for rosin is imagine being able to enjoy your shatter without the side of solvent. Now you can, thanks to emerging solventless technique called rosin technology. And um, yeah, rosin is basically a pressure and heat. So it's a com- combination of heat and pressure-based um, method of squeezing sap out of your cannabis, um, and you know with with rosin you can do very similar uh, things to. Well, I mean you're basically using it as a dab. You can dab it. You can put it in your in your vaporizer. It's uh, it's pretty pretty nifty.
1: Right. So the ones I'm looking at, they kind of look like they're square. They're like a foot high, and it has like at the top. It has an area where it's essentially like a clamp that comes down and continues to press. It looks like it's mechanical in nature. Like It, it uses a mechanical mechanism to press it rather than a vacuum or uh, mm-hmm. pneumatics or anything like that. But uh, pretty cool. So once you've squeezed your bud, the flower, is the flower still smokable? Is it garbage like what like do you sacrifice the whole flour to get um the the sap out um that's a good
0: question i actually uh that's a good question i'm actually not sure like we i don't think we've done anything with the leftover cannabis like assuming or um the assumption is is that most of the good stuff is extracted out but i imagine that you know it's not a 100 percent process you've probably still got a significant amount of thc and terpenes and all the beautifulness of cannabis in the uh in the the leftover smashed bud um so i imagine it's just likely a a less potent less desirable
1: um bud but still smokable i would think i'm looking at uh uh, a website. I, I won't. I won't pimp them out because I, I. don't know how good their products are, but they are selling a professional series hy- hydraulic. This one's called an H frame because it looks like the letter H. the The pressing mechanism is in the middle, and it's got two big p- pillars. the it, The hydraulic piece. It looks like the kind of jack. That you'd use to jack up your car, like uh, the standalone that kind of looks like a a bottle of Coke. And this thing will put 12 tons of pressure uh, onto your herb to, to just crush it to that ideal, that ideal resiny after finish. This thing is serious. It's only five grand, buddy five G's. Wow. So yeah,
0: there are some pretty like heavy duty. I mean, it depends what you're doing it for, right? Like if, if this is, you know, an implement that you plan on using so that you can vape rosin solventless. that you're a medical patient, this is the kind of thing that you believe is the, your best bet for administering your, you know, your cannabis with, with minimal adverse side effects. Then, you know, I can see five grand being an acceptable way to go about it, especially in Canada where extracts are illegal. Right? You cannot buy extracts or edibles yet at a dispensary up here or at a, at a cannabis retail store. So bringing it home and squishing it yourself is really your only option if that's your method of consumption. So yeah, so, I mean, 5G's
1: five, five isn't that crazy, I wouldn't think. Well, I mean, this one, I, I guess, is for somebody who's doing it in bulk. They're doing a ton of pressing. And to, this one does heating, too. It'll heat, it has two 2-inch two plates that it uh, does the crushing with. And those they, things they all will do, yeah. heat up to four hundred and eighty two Fahrenheit. That's uh it's pretty toasty. Mm, I don't know, yeah, I don't know what the
0: temperature is on the one that I used. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it squish and it squishes for like a good couple minutes. Mm. And what you're left like you put like a some, some parchment paper on either side yeah. um and you, you're left with like this beautiful sticky mess on uh, on the parchment paper that's just smells amazing. Like this the scent I think we squished uh, some Blue Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and admittedly, I was half paying attention because I was halfway through my workday. But um, you know, when uh, when it came out, I was quite
1: impressed. Pretty neat. That's that's pretty cool, man. I'd love to take this thing for a spin. I actually just got a a, a sack of fine herb um, from my friend who passed through after a little harvest, and uh, maybe we nice. can maybe we can do some pressing.
0: Yeah, maybe we should uh, do a little live Instagram squish session. What do you think? I, I, that's not too bad. I think people will be impressed. That was a squishing joke, wasn't it? It was. Nice. Really good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, all right. Well... The Purple Dungeon Squid here is brought to you by our all time favorite things, weed and video games. Weed and video games, thank you. We salute you. Um, also brought to you by Meticulous Horticulturalists.
1: Meticulous Horticulturalists? Did you need somebody to prune the exact number of leaves? Talk to these guys, they'll get you down to the twig. Oh. Uh, brought to you by Fat Robin Hood in tights. The men, the manly men, and in tights, but they need to lose. A little bit of weight.
0: Get in the tub, Dan. Uh, brought to you by Modeling 3D Breasts. Ooh,
1: I, sorry. <clears throat> what? <laughs> sorry. Can you clarify what that is? I, I don't know. Like, you know, modeling. Come on, man. Modeling 3D like Breasts. Go with it. a person who is modeling them? Or do you mean like, like someone whose job is to render like a CGI set of cans? Yep. That second okay, one. Okay. Go ahead. Give it, Give it to me again. Brought to you by Modeling 3D Breasts. Are those big enough? We better double them in size. Should they sway four feet? They should probably sway four feet. (laughs) Just double checking. Brought to you by Mother's Day. Mother's Day because who wants to be disappointed like your mother in bed with another subpar dinner or breakfast, I suppose. If she wanted to be disappointed in bed, she would speak to your father. Mother's Day. Come on, man. Let's just. Bad for dads everywhere. Brought to you finally by Ugly Crying. Not only are you weeping, there's snot coming down your face and nobody wants to look at you. Ugly Crying. All right. Well, not our finest session, but if you want to actually... (laughs) I think I'm ugly crying (laughs) about those promotions. I think
0: I'm ugly crying a little bit inside. Yep. 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 Well, that's all right. If you want to actually sponsor the show after this travesty of a front end feel free to hit us up at purple dungeon at gmail.com until then you'll have to deal with all of this nonsense
1: i should probably stop but i won't
0: dan 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 modeling those 3d
1: cans dan boy if people weren't sure if i was making that shit up on the spot uh they know now because that stinker <laughs> is the evidence buddy that was <laughs>
0: That was the roughest improv of sponsors, I think, that we've done to date. And I'm including, like, episodes one through four, which we didn't actually publish.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those ones were the smoking gun. They're the still warm corpse. In fact, the whole front end could be argued it was like we were falling down a set of stairs. But, uh, you know, whatever. My bath segment... Is pure gold. Will, pure what gold. That's what, what the people want. That's
0: what the people. Maybe they don't want it right now, but once they try it, they're gonna want it. Welcome to the bath cult, guys. This is the this is the real show. It's the suds that you've summoned. Well, I have to uh, I have to make an admission, Dan. Um, I have done. Exactly zero video gaming over the last seven days. It's broken my heart a little bit. What a loser! Oh, what a fool! What a fool! I know that you've been doing nothing. You you know, except for laying about and enjoying your vacation. But some of us have been been hard at work, Dan. Um, and uh, I will tell you though, I, I get bonus points for buying another video game, right? Okay, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, oh, Dan, I'm sorry, buddy. Didn't mean to hit you in the in the dad feels. But um, it's okay, I feel like this is what happens when I get busy. Can you relate to this? Like, you get busy and you're like, I really want to experience a video game. And then you go and buy one that just goes on top of the pile of things. You're like, I'm very
1: satisfied now. I bought another game. Yeah, 2018, the show has sat in its plastic wrap daintily on my shelf since its purchase day at full price. <laughs> 2019, we are in the year 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of yeah. our Lord it, and Savior. It, like I literally, I put down the eighty dollars, whatever, and then didn't play it, and it's like, what am I even doing? I know, man. I've got and I actually have exactly the same experience. So last
0: weekend, I purchased MLB The Show nineteen, which I'm actually very excited about because the Blue Jays are absolutely terrible right now, and I feel like mm-hmm. I can. Chuff a bone and go into this fantasy land where they're actually doing very well in my PlayStation. Sock a couple dingers for the Jays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not last in
1: the AL East, but we're damn close. Damn close. Yeah. You have to work pretty hard to get under it. I know what you mean, and it's like normally. I don't mind games piling up on one side of the house and that's like my Steam library because I buy humble bundles and little discounts here and there. So I have a, like a litany of games and usually that's fine. But when like I shelled out for a AAA title and I'm so lame that I don't pop it in in the tray. Uh, my defense on this one thing is that my 2017 team was so good, and I had read that when you transfer them over, that it starts to, like, delevel level them. So I wanted to finish the season, and then it just all petered off. I started playing something else, and, and there she be. You're like I'm going to play this game until I die. I'm this dedicated,
0: and then it just didn't happen. Then it didn't happen. Yeah, I understand that inclination. I also purchased um, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, and that game <laughs> I'm super yeah I'm super excited about. It. So I threw it up to Instagram, threw it on the stories. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles Two or Octopath Traveler, and I have to be honest, I expected Octopath to win by a landslide. There was um, at, at this pawn shop that I'm so <laughs> I'm so fond of mentioning. I don't know what I. I I just have a spiritual and emotional connection to this pawn shop uh, specifically because they sell me many video games for $20 but they um they had a collector's edition of um of Octopath Traveler in the window and it was $179 or something like that which is uh, about $60 less than it's being sold on eBay so kudos to those guys for being awesome um but I almost bought it and then I was like okay probably don't need the pop-up book and the other irrelevant stuff that's in that box because let's be real and smart here for a moment um and i also wanted to see if if i'm going to dive into an 80 plus hour jrpg on my switch because i know i have the capacity to do so um over the next months should i do it on uh, Octopath Traveler, or should I see if there's another more palatable option for me? Um, and after putting it out there, it looks like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is the clear winner. It was like, I think, a 57-43 split at the end of the day, so feel pretty confident in my choice. That's not what you typically call hey, a clear winner. <laughs> well, I mean, you know... Good, like Octopath Traveler is an excellent game too, right? So yeah, I think I think uh, I think uh, whatever. Uh, oh God help me do the math. Uh, Fourteen point differential is enough to uh, to make me feel good
1: about that. I guess it depends on your sample size, your margin of error, and you uh, know stop. if you're just, just setting out down. outliers. Yeah, no. No, 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 one, one likes that. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, and and it's so highly subjective. Like when it comes to like an eighty-hour game, you know, it can if it missteps once, do you not like it? I've heard people talk about Octopath being a little bit of a letdown. People loving it. It's and it's so highly subjective. They both got a pretty good rating. I think they're like sitting around four point seven and four point eight respectively. So you know they're kind of in the same running you got a lot of nines and eights for both of them so i guess you can't go that wrong you know you won't you won't deeply regret your choice either way which is a nice a nice comfort
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, like the decision, and not having played either of them, just kind of reading reviews and looking at uh, some gameplay footage, um, the reason I went with, uh, other than the poll, obviously, but the reason I went with Xenoblade and felt better about it is because um, about a year ago, I played a good chunk of Bravely Default, um, and it's, you know... Uh, um, Octopath Traveler felt like it was going to be, I mean, the graphics certainly are beautiful and charming, but it felt like it was going to be a lot more down that path of a traditional Final Fantasy-esque turn-based JRPG as opposed to Xenoblade, which has a little bit more of a real-time combat Almost like MMO style, but very complex um, combat system. So uh, it, you know, I I was kind of googling around in preparation for playing this game um, because one of the uh, asterisks that I read in a a review was that uh, there's some early choices or some gameplay choices that if you mess up can make your game kind of unfun uh, or at least suboptimal Um, so I watched like 36 minutes of gameplay tutorial on how to manage this combat system and it looks just complex
1: enough to be juicy so um, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to getting into it. That's one of the things that gives me anxiety playing these 80 hour epics is when you needed to hold on to your wooden sword that you didn't know you need to hold on to because later it crafts into the penultimate badass sword once you get the this and the that and you sold it and there's no way to get it back that irks me and it's such it's such a JRPG thing to do it's like oh you didn't know you needed that one item that you sold like if something is important can you please mark it as a key item so I don't turf it like a dummy
0: yeah I mean I'm kind of back and forth on that it brings me back to like I can remember definitively sitting on the bus as a child and playing through King's Quest 7 and the experience of like trying to beat that game which had some extremely arbitrary choices that you know um, adventure games were notorious for back in the day like oh I need to go you know 20 minutes in the direction of another place to pick up a stick so that I can bring it back 20 screens the other direction to fish out a wheel of cheese from a fountain, right? It's yeah. It's extremely arcane. Um, but I remember sitting on the bus, chatting with a friend who was playing the game at the same time as myself. And you know, a week later, we had both figured it out, and it was such like a moment, right? And so with JRPGs, what I wanted to avoid was any of the like um, suboptimal stat stuff because I don't really I don't really see that as much of uh, a, a I'm not really like a stat monkey when it comes to RPGs. I just want my characters to work and to experience the game from a tactical level, not necessarily sit there and agonize over three points of strength or whatever it might be or an ability that I didn't choose to get, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. But, you know, actually uh, playing through the game and experiencing it without any spoilers or without any help and dealing with some of those... Uh, you know, uh, potential things that you might miss, whether it be a side quest you miss or, you know, an item you miss and then getting to the end of the game and, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to either compare with a friend or just kind of read online and see what you missed, um, you can kind of, have a, a moment of satisfaction and grade yourself against where, you know, what you could have achieved versus what you did achieve, right? So I that, that's kind of part of the fun for me of of tackling an epic game like this.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think gone are the days where you're you're you have to delete your save file because you've broken the game for the most part. Like the people just don't Make games that do that anymore, and uh, maybe that's a little bit of like the the you know uh, kidifying of games. But like I I'm I think it's totally reasonable to, to not to make it so you can't break your game without at least like a warning. Like I, I like the idea of some a game that let you do whatever you want, but it warns you. It's like hey, if you're about to do this, your game might be uncompletable. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I can I, I feel that man. I mean, um, some of these some of these like rpg systems i shouldn't say some of these like a generalization i think me in general i'm just not that interested in you know creating a uh min maxed character whether it's final fantasy or whether it's whatever xenoblade i'm about to embark down the path of or bravely default or you know I just care about having a fun time in the story, making some interesting tactical choices in combat or whatever it might be, and having a cool-looking sword. Like, just give me those things. You know, MMOs are the same thing. Yeah, I can tell that this item is clearly better than the other one. Thank you for making it easy. Because if you give me, like, 18 lines of numbers to make choices that you deem are meaningful but don't create any more intrigue into the character... I probably don't care. So, give me the one that looks cool.
1: Yeah, no, you're so right. And like uh, going back to what you said before, it comes down I think to if you want to play something that looks a little bit like Final Fantasy 3 or if you want to play something that's a little bit more a little bit more modernly rendered and it, whatever your preference is, you you couldn't go wrong either way. And you're totally right about the the lines of numbers. I remember playing Diablo 3 And once you start getting the slotting of gems and sets like armor sets and I'm just like I don't really care but I also want to be effective playing so I'm going to give it a quick Google and hopefully the answer is one Google away and it usually is because somebody who loves balancing the numbers and the gear and the slots will tell you at least one of the more optimal ways and you can just be safe in the understanding that you're not, you know, totally nerfed. You can sort of go out there and do your thing.
0: Yeah, man, I don't really... I shouldn't say I don't get that. Like, people who love to, you know, theory hammer and and craft, you know, uh, complex equations and, and use cases and tests for you know different, um, you know, different character loadouts in a video game. Like, God bless you for loving to do that. Um, I have to imagine that someone who's inclined to doing something like that, like maybe you're a computer programmer or, I don't know, a a financial accountant or something and you're pumped about that. Um, You know, that kind of strategy and that kind of optimization thinking, for me, I'd rather keep that at my bank and at my job. And when I'm playing a video game, no thank you.
1: I mean, I get it. Like, I I get the idea of wanting to do it the best way because it feels like the right way. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's probably 10 different ways you can wear your seatbelt, but there's definitely a right way. (laughs) You know what I mean? That won't decapitate you or break 18 of your ribs. And so if you're doing it one of the most optimal ways, you know you're not doing it the wrong way. I kind of get that thinking and I, I don't want to spend a hundred hours figuring it out. Uh, like, I, I, if you remember um, Armored Core, I love Armored Core. Right. But the the amount of, like, minutia you can get into doing your big bad robot building, where you, you're going through the 500 heads and the different bodies. And I mean, like, can I just tell you what the kind of sorty jetpacky guy i'm going for and you can just sort of figure it out game do i have to do it all yeah like, do i need my engineering degree yeah i mean i'm I'm in the same vein
0: and you know the, the challenge is is today and we talk about it ad nauseum but there's so much choice in gaming and there's so many good games coming out that to get so married to a game that i want to tinker under the hood for an inordinate amount of time as opposed to exploring the core gameplay systems like you know either the story or the interesting tactical combat um you know i just nah like i'm just gonna go because the other this game over here is demanding my attention so i have not come across a game yet that gives me an inspiration to invest that amount of time in tinkering around in sub menus it's just not there for me
1: yeah i feel you buddy and, yeah. and somebody there's
0: a guy that does that's his jam and god love him yeah well they he's on the internet because i read his guides often so that i can not do that exactly and so i'm thankful i'm thankful for that man it's the uh, it's the henry ford thing right like do you know how to do this henry ford no but i have 10 guys on staff who do <laughs> so give, give me that give me that reality I I pay smart people to know these things. Yes, exactly. Um, so I understand you played Doom. Doom, 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 Doom.
1: Yeah, buddy. I, this one has been gathering some dust on my shelf for a while too, and I feel a little bit remissed, uh to coming around to it. Did you Did you get a peek at this one? Did you mm-hmm. play any Doom? I did play a little bit of Doom. Yep, got my got my uh, my teeth my choppers into that one. But please let us know your thoughts yeah for sure man I mean it, it does a lot of what you expect it to if you, you play the original Doom as soon as you fire it up and, and, and uh, grab your first uh, your weapon in hand although the first pistol is pretty measly I, mm-hmm. I think I would have preferred a Beretta it's like a little energy gun it feels like the equivalent of a pea shooter like it even it makes a little boop sound like it's I think it's intentionally setting you up so when you pick up that shotgun a little bit it feels like your boop is now like a <laughs> like it's a freight train in comparison but uh, you know man I I liked it you find yourself on Mars you've been resurrected again um, into the future you kind of wake up on a bloody altar uh, and you set about about um, sort of uh, finding your way into the Mars colony that has just suffered a massive um, uh, Hellgate sort of uh, incursion. Um, and uh, it's exactly kind of what you'd expect. Y- you've run into some um, sort of straggly zombie. Uh, former soldiers and you know you're blowing them away they introduced the new mechanic uh, one of the core new mechanics that they kind of feathered in here is uh the savage kills or the glory kills right uh, where the guy flashes red after you shoot him and you do some sort of punch or head crush or you twist their head off or break their legs off it's pretty cool um, you know you get a little bit of extra armor a little bit of health and uh once you start beating enough ass it starts playing some heavy metal. It just starts feathering it in, totally. which I enjoyed a ton, man. You know, you're yeah. you're blasting demons and uh, and cracking skulls.
0: Well, I mean, Doom has been a simple formula since the beginning, and it's a winning formula, right? You've got mm, endless violence, a little bit of light puzzle solving, some very visceral violence, um, and that's that's what's there for you. That's what's on offer.
1: Yeah. So, and they've they've bolted like because it's an old style of play, and what it's sort sure. of centered around is the enemy AI. In this, like the other Doom, it isn't that smart. It kind of just follows you around and tries to kill you. Um, If you're up, it comes up. If it's down, it comes down. They generally swarm you, uh, and you got some of the classic enemies you've got imps of fire sh- throw fireballs you got the um, you know hamuncul uh, uh, what are they called homunculus the yes. yeah two chain gun arms you got dudes that are look like Rams you know like a man with a ram head and they're coming all at you and you sort of just go in guns blazing I just it, we're kind of and it was a ton of fun like don't get me wrong I'm running through the arenas it has an inertia and so the way I like the game has the most fun is when i'm just sort of running through the level you get it to a spot they kind of block you off you have to kill everything before you proceed and the key to this game is to never stop moving if you stop moving you're going to get absolutely destroyed so as long as you're running shooting and punching things to death you're golden right what kind of where kind of breaks down for me a bit is like there's some exploration and secrets to find and me being a completionist i want to go find them all but it kind of breaks up the temple of the game for me you
0: know what i mean yeah, I agree with you entirely. Uh, one thing I really liked about the tempo of the game, speaking of which, though, is it didn't feel super bullet-spongy. You know what I mean? The, the game the game uh, had a had a quick enough pace, and you know, I find games like... I mean, I don't know why Borderlands keeps coming to mind, because it's not the same game even remotely, but um, that's one game that's a shining example of how... Um, you know, mowing through hordes of enemies can get really tedious when they've just got too much health or you're trying to overcomplicate things by giving them a longer life cycle. Uh, so I artificially have to pump in way more bullets than I care to into one enemy. Um, Doom keeps things pretty fast. You know, you're constantly, constantly felling enemies and, um, you know, the, uh, the challenge is more in the aggregate Number of enemies coming at you, um, as opposed to you know having to having to attrition down a group or a single enemy. You know,
1: I know exactly what you mean, and and you hit the the nail on the head. I experienced that in I when I got. The game loaded up. I put it on the hardest difficulty, and I started to do my thing. And I just the guys were taking so much to put down. I'm like, I don't think this is really the best way for this to be played. And I went back to the default difficulty, and just the tempo of the game felt better. So that's that's the way I played it. So I think for your first playthrough, go on the standard difficulty and and r- rock it that way. Now, uh, speaking of rockets, this is one of my big my big sort of uh, sticking points of the game. Is my favorite gun for the most part is the shotgun. It feels the best, it does a good amount of damage. And I wanted some of the other guns to have a little bit more, let's say, entertainment or excitement. But my shotgun is so powerful that it makes the rocket launcher kind of look rough. And the rocket launcher should be doing a ton of damage. But you know, those floaty eye of the beholder demons, they're like uh, big circles that shouldn't take five rockets no. to put down. Do you know what I mean? Cuz you got a line. It's so satisfying when you're jumping through the air, you line up that rocket shot. It shoots off. When it hit, you got to hit them five times. I'm like, hey, "Are these rockets or am I firing, you know, like soccer balls out of this thing?" Yeah. It almost makes the rocket launcher almost irrelevant. Now I'm going to keep using it cuz I love it, but that that kind of that got me a little bit. That said, uh, the the environments that are either the Mars facility or uh, the hells the hellscapes they all look beautiful the distance looks beautiful the facilities look really cool and mechanical steams coming out there's hazards all over the place you can and it- there are a lot of a lot of fun to just run through and invoke your carnage and i think that's how this game is played best they bolted on a lot of modern sort of uh upgrade systems you can upgrade your your suit you can upgrade your guns uh they have two different upgrade paths you can have both they're like snap-ons you know can be either a lock-on for your rocket or a remote detonator um, it, they only changed the guns a little bit and the amount of searching around I did to make sure I got everything, I think I would have enjoyed it better if I just sort of ignored most of that and just ran through the game. Yeah, dude, that's how you got to
0: play that thing. You just got to plow through like a bull in a china shop. Just get it done. Yeah,
1: and I think that's at the heart of it. And I, I, ta- I talked a little, a little bit about it a couple episodes ago. Is the guys that Speedrun, the original Doom. It's a ton of fun to watch. Uh, you can watch people clear Doom, it's like inside of nine minutes, the the first level. I think the record is like seven point five seconds. It's a ton of fun to watch. To definitely check that out. For me, Doom is like a, a definitely a play. It, it's like a seven or an eight out of ten. And I think the best way to play is the high speed carnage. Just rip through it. Have a ton of fun. And I think you're right. The fun is when you're locked in that little arena with the different monster types where they go, they challenge you to go, how rad can you kill these guys and still survive? Um, And it sets up interesting combat situations for that. And that's where this game shines. And uh, the story's okay too. It's not. I mean, it's doom. So it's kind of just it's kind of like (laughs) hand waves, but it's all right. Yeah, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of the things about Doom is like Doom is a genre-defining game, right? So you've got early shooter games or early first-person shooters like Doom and Quake and Duke Nukem that, in my mind, at the very least, stick out as that first wave of shooters that that made shooters a thing. You know, they were genre-defining and they were largely about violence, that's what they were about Dan they were about going around and killing things ultra violence ultra that's all it was it was just go shoot things to death right there's modern trappings of shooters um you know we've seen much more heavy on the story much more heavy on the customization and the role-playing elements of it um you know, you've got modern, massively online shooters like Destiny, and and multiplayer shooters or loot shooters like Borderlands, and there's there's variations of um, of this gameplay that have been you know iterated on again and again and again, and all of them are great, and all of them are a great take. But Doom is a household brand because it's literally about that simplistic, ultra violent. Just shoot everything approach that made FPS a, a a thing in the first place. You know what I mean? Is it so? Is the like? Do you think the Doom Doom is a strong enough brand on its own? You know, or is it just kind of like a? Is Doom just a feeling? You
1: know, is Doom just a like interchangeable with those? It's definitely a, It's definitely a feeling. And what I do respect about the the way they these guys put it together is if you never picked up any of the pickups then it never really upgraded your weapons the game's still playable and i dig that i dig that they didn't like if you were to ignore them it wouldn't affect the way you complete the game really at all i don't think they, it's really just it's there to be there if you want it i love that i i did find that they have put a couple like easy buttons in there. you know. Eventually you get the BFG and I'm always holding on to the BFG to when I quote unquote need it and I'm waiting for the bigger wave and I'm waiting for the bigger wave and it never comes I've just destroyed everything. And I find ammo is extremely plentiful especially if you're doing your glory kills getting ammo armor and health from them Uh, you have a chainsaw and essentially the mechanic of the chainsaw is if you have enough gas you can take on larger and larger opponents and when you chainsaw them apart they explode like a christmas tree of of goodies weapons uh ammo anything you need uh except for more chainsaw gas and (laughs) you know i have to remember to pull it out because there's achievements and uh you know challenges to unlock weapon abilities that you have to chainsaw so many guys in a level and you know i let myself get tricked into letting that change my the speed of what i'm playing you know it's like kill three guys with a remote detonated rocket in the air so rather than just play the game I'm trying to do these air jump shots to kill these guys and I'm like why am I doing this why am I letting the game toy with me I should just do the fun stuff you know what I mean and knowing when to pull pull back and just play the game in the way that it's fun for you that's something that I've had to sort of uh, accept.
0: Yeah I mean, you got platinum that game dude gotta get that platinum show my friends who's the real man I'm not, not, some, <laughs> not some tub guy that's some bath, <laughs> bath man. Don't
1: Google Tub guy, don't Google Tub guy. Jeez. <laughs> um hey uh did you did you hit the bong while you were playing Doom? I didn't oh i did no you know what actually i got a vape pen and i've been hitting it uh it's a cherry pie vape pen and it's been a very very leisurely um voyage with it uh, i have to tell you that the the sound effects and the the thrashing heavy metal was amplified by the herb for sure yeah definitely like doom
0: is a game that naturally freaks me out and makes me paranoid at the same time um You know, it's one of those anxiety shooters that capitalizes on those horror moments where things jump out at you and do the jump scare thing. Um, And so for me, this is a definitely no cannabis experience because I just I don't want that mixing with my weed. But you you felt it was okay. You enjoyed it with the cherry pie. I I felt pretty safe. I felt pretty safe in my doom guy abilities. Right. So it was for you. It was a power fantasy,
1: not a not a freak show. Yeah, I wasn't get, being stalked by the demons of hell. I was stalking them. I They're see. locked in here with me. Your real ego piece,
0: Dan. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, um, I mean, you know, Doom is a genre-defining game. There's no question. Uh, do you, uh, Can you think of any other games that, like, along with Duke Nukem and Doom, have created genres, but, like, recently? You know what I mean? Like... It, it, I it, mean there's the obvious so battle clear.
1: there's the ev- obvious battle royale um yeah, piece that was kicked off by I guess not it was Fortnite wasn't really the first what would no, be PUBG the first was. battle
0: royale Pick, PUBG you know, a player's ultimate battleground for sure
1: yeah and before that it was like Arma Arma had got a mod to it Uh, I think it was the first arma mod was there was a PUBG, there was a zombie survival. Yeah, please listen, my friend. There's a a mod. I think it was Arma 2 that was player on nodes battleground, and then they made it into a full release after.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. Don't know the history on it. Um, you're probably right on that. Although I thought Arma was a zombie
1: survival thing, but I guess I'm, I'm wrong. No. Um, so like Arma had another mod that was DayZ. Right. Um, that was an because Arma really became Arma is an army simulator. It's it, it's a FPS for people who really want to feel the realism. You know, they they start at base camp and they they have a, a platoon and they get inside the helicopter and fly. You know, forty clicks to the enemy. It's 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 hyper Realistic, which made it a great platform for modders to build mods to go on top of them. So there was a DayZ mod that went on top of Arma before there was a full DayZ release. Same thing with the Player Unknown's Battleground. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think PUBG and Fortnite are definitely
0: like you know reminiscent of let's say you know the Doom Duke Nukem combo or you know are, are definitely genre defining uh, titles there's no question there it's a, that's a good that's a good call out by the way sorry you just you mentioned the army thing do you remember America's Army the free yeah. the free first person tactical shooter it was an elimination based shooter so when you got shot you were out and it was free and it was actually a pretty like pretty solid shooter I think probably early two thousand, maybe 2001, 2002 but it was free because it was a recruitment tool for the US Army. <laughs> do you remember That's that? right. I
1: do. So I played weird. a couple rounds of it. It was good. It was a little little bit janky and at the time I was playing uh, Counter-Strike right. so I, I did, played a couple rounds and I'm like this isn't Counter-Strike and back I went uh, to DE Dust. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember that. I mean, that is essentially like uh, modern Warfare is um, not sponsored by, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they work in conjunction with the military, military uh, advisors to make sure they're getting stuff correct. Uh, and as long as you're portraying the military the way they want it to, they, I mean, it's classic example would be Top Gun, right? Um basically a, a, a air force recruiting tool for the u.s and so they got you know unlimited use of their vehicles all they had to do is pay for the gas pretty sweet deal not bad yeah i mean yeah. Uh, this and so fair enough you know there's that
0: kind of sponsorship element and there's maybe some influence over how things are portrayed but this was straight up a recruitment tool like i believe you could you could sign up for the army from within the game <laughs> like <laughs> When you died, it was like a recruitment ad, like some forward thinking from the army. Well played, but
1: super weird. <laughs> like just really weird. You let your buddy play, and you come back. He's like, "Ooh, bud, I enlisted you real quick. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, you ship yeah. out next week. Yes, yes,
0: indeed. Uh, well, I wonder how that worked. Like, what was the recruitment percentages off of America's Army? Like, it must not have converted very well. Or I imagine it would still be a thing.
1: I'm sure there'd be at one time... It maybe it didn't hold up in court or something. Uh, I, I'm sure there's one time or another where you were stoked on patriotism enough that if they had nabbed you at that exact moment, you would have enlisted. I don't think it's like a court thing. Like, I,
0: I don't think you have to, like... Like it's not like indentured servitude. Can, can you leave the army? This is way off. Uh, this is a way off topic. Let's not. Let's. Go. I don't have enough information. To I don't answer, have any information. But generally,
1: once you've signed up for for a stint, you're in until it's over. Like you, if you go leave the army on leave and you don't come back when you're supposed to come back, there's a term for that. It's called a a wall and you're like, I'm pretty sure you can be court-martialed for it, uh, it, it you can be kicked out of the army there's dishonorable ch- discharges and honorable discharges and I don't know exactly what you have to do to get each of them, like if you get injured badly enough that you can no longer participate you get an honorable discharge, I believe but let's say if you make a pass at your commanding officer, perhaps it's a dishonorable discharge, but I'm talking so far out of school, what I should do right now is just stop. Yeah, or, or let's all go watch uh, A Few Good Men Yeah
0: yeah. thin red line thin red line get it all done um, minecraft uh, another genre defining game for sure minecraft the uh, well what would you call it a pixel construction game a, a block construction survival well who knows it's a minecraft game and that's exactly what <laughs> that's exactly what anybody who's taken Minecraft and implemented, whether it be Voxel, I know there's some Voxel games out there and, you know, other iterations of that kind of creation, Um, it's, it's straight up a Minecraft game. And I cannot think of any other title that's come out and gained anywhere near, not even remotely close the level of recognition or popularity is minecraft it's in a total total category of its own i really can't see it being displaced in that space because it won't be a graphical upgrade that makes it better you know
1: i think it is the like the first or second best selling pc game of all time something like 30 million copies and i guess i would call it a sandbox game yeah no i guess I, yeah, I, but you can't say that that's the genre because sandbox
0: games right. can mean a lot of things, right? I mean, a lot of things. And yeah. they're still, by the way, they're still upgrading Minecraft. Like they're still, adding, oh, yeah. they're still adding things to that game. There's new biomes and new enemies. That was always the thing for me with Minecraft is like I'd get to a point where I got kind of bored because I was safe. You know, the beginning of Minecraft was always the most exciting to me because it's very much like a survival horror title, right? Night mm-hmm. comes and you better have a shelter or you're going to get murked by creepers and zombies. Um, but eventually, you know, you build yourself a castle and now you just get slightly irritated when they blow up your walls and you just rebuild it in the morning. Um, but I've had some seriously good late night times with Minecraft. Like that, that game, when you get into a groove and a rhythm, really, uh, really keeps you going
1: yeah and you're right They're they're doing updates I, I was watching some stuff you know what's new in the aquatic update and there's these amazing underground temples there's new materials they have a, a like always adding new items to be crafted pretty impressive the support that it's it's gotten but it's just got so much attention people love it it's it's really hooked on to something you know Yeah. That that magic lightning in a bottle. I think you can
0: probably define genre-defining titles by did they get toys at Walmart? (laughs) That's Minecraft. Minecraft has a litany of toys out there. Um, PUBG and, uh, sorry, no, Fortnite, excuse me. Fortnite has, it was crazy. I was walking through the aisles at Walmart near Christmas time or something like that, and they have little action figure sets of uh, of Fortnite characters um, in the main aisles, not in the toy section. I think I was buying a shovel or something. And these things are like 46 bucks. Like this is a $46 pack of two little action figures. I have to ask, like, how well did those sell? Because as a parent, even if my kid loves Fortnite, 46 bucks is like pretty hard to swallow
1: for two action figures, you know? Yeah, no kidding. I was in Niagara Falls uh, earlier this week, and there was a Minecraft sword being sold at Ripley's Believe It or Not. Like it's pretty much everywhere. There you go. Uh, genre defining titles.
0: Um, I think you could maybe say like League of Legends. I mean, League of Legends is also one of the most popular games of all time. Uh, you know, Dota obviously, uh, and other MOBAs are uh, you know have have kind of carried the torch, and and let's call them part of that genre defining element but you know league of legends is is quite clearly um the dominant title and and i'd say that it's still going strong right like lol is still a real big thing
1: yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah alive and well did you know minecraft was almost called cave game almost better arguably i i don't know about that it cave, kinda, game. <laughs> cave game cave hey, game i mean it gets right it gets right it gets right to it but it might be a little bit the syllables uh, are too similar Cave game. Cave game. Cave game. <laughs>
0: you wanna play cave game? <laughs> Mom, <laughs> buy me cave <laughs> game. Yeah. Um good, not, good call on yeah, that one. Good, good call Good call, that call one. on Minecraft. Well, well played. Uh yeah. Well anyway. Um what other classic IPs would you like to be updated a la Doom? You know, I mean, obviously uh, I'd, like, I'd like Half-Life 3, please. Oh, the man. one we're never yeah. going to get. Yeah, the but one. like Half-Life 2 that. was so graphically amazing when it came out that even to this day, it still feels like it was amazing. I'm sure if I went back and played Half-Life 2, I'd be like, wow, this looks like a real dog's breakfast. Let's get Half-Life 3. But Half-Life 2 at the time, like the water and the physics and the everything about that game was so good. And so beautiful that I feel like in my brain that I already got Half-Life 3. That is some good rationalizing, buddy. <laughs> That's some so self-soothing
1: bullshit. Well,
0: yeah, I guess. You know, For me, Half-Life has been a title that I've enjoyed um, since the early days of my gaming. Uh, the original Half-Life has a very big place in my heart. Um, obviously counter-strike and the original counter-strike specifically um a big place in my heart so yeah i'd welcome you know half-life three and all the beauty that it would bring sadly i don't think it's ever to be dan just not just not coming not coming to a screen near you it'll come when we need it the most but want it the least inspiring do you want to head over to the smoke sesh yes please yes let's do that ding ding all righty dan how about that smoke sesh buddy you ready to chow down on some chiba
1: oh i am mean on this green <sighs> welcome to el carib my friend what's a carib
0: um remember carob do you remember the substance yeah. carob it like used to be a thing that people would try and sell as a health product that tasted like chocolate air quotes
1: yeah yeah you're ringing some bells carob wise.
0: Yeah, carob. I wonder what it's in these days. What's carob in? Carob is a sweet and healthy substitute for chocolate. Use for its health benefits goes back 4,000 years to ancient Greece. What does carob taste like? <laughs> so Google is pulling uh, from cooksinfo.com. Carob does not Tastes like chocolate the biggest thing that, it's a lie the biggest thing that carob and cocoa have in common is that they are both brown carob looks like chocolate and can function like chocolate but the taste is completely different chocolate lovers hate carob some will say you might as well be eating dirt i <laughs> could not agree more carob is awful um also known as saint john's bread or locust bean
1: how can something
0: be both a bread and a bean? It's a it's a locust brain, bean. Like, come on, man. This is not <laughs> you're like, good.
1: What does that bean taste like? I don't know, like bread? Like, no, you're a liar and an idiot. Are they kind of like red in color? They're like beany inside? Like, what's the deal?
0: Yeah, yeah, they're beans. It's like a co- Well, cocoa okay. is a bean also, my friend. But uh, It's
1: like... You got, like, a uh, a field of carobs, and you're like, I gotta sell these carobs to somebody. What do we tell them it tastes like? Tell them it tastes like chocolate, exactly. and it's good for them.
0: Yeah, the great, the great myth of carob. Like, I remember late 90s everything had carob in it it was the
1: it was the goji berry of the late 90s anyway forget it i feel like late 90s was sun-dried tomato and saffron that was Mm. the big like gourmand if you had a killer menu in the late 90s it had sun-dried tomatoes and something and and sprigs of saffron it all about i
0: guess my mother was just trying to sneak carob into my diet at the time and ugh. Awful. Um, yeah, no no thank you to carob. If I literally never eat carob again in my life, I will be okay.
1: I don't think I've ever had carob, so I think I, I've done well thus far. We can just sail on with that s- sternly in mind. Nice, nice. So what do you got to
0: smoke on today, my friend? Hopefully not carob. Um I have I believe it
1: is sour diesel. Sour diesel uh, Yeah, my my good buddy brought by a sack the finest sour diesel and uh like a like a golden god he's left me with a couple handfuls nice so uh this will last me right through the summer probably
0: well isn't that beautiful a little sour diesel uh on uh supply mm-hmm. sour diesel yeah we're both uh, we're both dealing in somewhat i wouldn't shouldn't say pedestrian Pedestrian's the wrong word but mainstream strains if there is such a thing i've actually got some pink kush today dan
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. These are these are readily available buds, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, a little pink
0: kush by uh, by Med Relief. Uh, no, excuse me. It's not by Med Relief. This is pink kush by Flower. This is Flower's pink kush. Flower is an LP up here in Canada, um, and uh, they make some beautiful bud. And I'm very interested to go ahead and take a peek at this stuff. Um, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I want you to go first, Ooh. honey, Jim. All right. So um, that sweet fudginess of, uh, of, of that sweet chocolate fudge smell that I expect from pink kush has just kind of hit my nose. Give me one second here. Yeah. Like an earthy mm, sweetness, earthy sweetness. Ah, love that pink kush smell. Let me take a look at this bud. This is a small little bud, just a wee fellow, but, um, we got some nice orange hairs, very frosty, very fudgy, well cured nug. Um, breaks apart somewhat easily, but not dry even a little bit. And um, you know, glistening thick trichomes. A nice uh, a nice hunter green bud here, um, not too leafy. And one more one more smell on the nose. Yeah, a little bit of a uh, little bit of evergreen in there. A little bit of pine. On the finish, but predominantly chocolatey and sweet and delicious. Dan,
1: I love pink Kush. Oh, it's it's a friend in need. Mm hmm, mm hmm. You wanna go ahead and give us uh, give us the rundown? Yeah, man. If you wanna you wanna puff on that, I'll tell you that. Pink Kush, as coveted as its OG relative, OG Kush, is an indica-dominant hybrid with powerful body-focused effects. In its exceptional variants, pink hairs burst from bright green buds barely visible under a blanket of sugar-like trichomes, with traces of sweet vanilla and candy perfume. The potency of this strain could be considered overpowering, and even small doses are known to eliminate pain, insomnia and appetite loss. Growers have to wait 11, uh, 10 or 11 weeks for pink kush flowering, but high yields of top-shelf buds are worth the wait, and that is via leafly.com.
0: <laughs> pink kush. Always a pleasure. It's a beautiful, beautiful strain. Not a lot of surprises here, um, You know exactly as it says on the tin, but a, a beautiful strain.
1: Um, and you've got sour diesel. You're going to fire that up? Yeah. Um, a lot of people on Leafly are talking about, uh, previously being on hydromorphone and then switching to pink kush and and having better pain relief, which is pretty, a pretty big, uh, lofty touting. Ooh. Well, high five, pink kush. High five, indeed. These buds look pretty nice. They're like big old popcorn chunks. I got a mess of them here. You get the diesel right on the nose. It's got a, oop, I've inhaled a bit there. Um, it's got, uh. For sure, the gassy smell, woody and piney is all over it. Um, these ones are nice. These were probably amateurly cured. They probably were hanging in a shed somewhere, but uh, you know they do not look haggard in any way. They're not quite as you know cured as you might get from a place like Broken Coast. But uh, it's virulent with hairs. It's a nice mix of light and dark green, tightly packed mm. buds. Um, you know, not crispy at all, uh, which is what you really want to look out for. And uh, I'm gonna be happy to to uh to bong down on this Chibadaya. Oh, you're hitting the bong today. They're a bong man.
0: Ah, uh, hear the bubble. Sour Diesel, sometimes called Sour D, is an invigorating sativa-dominant strain named after its pungent diesel-like aroma. The fast-acting strain delivers energizing, dreamy cerebral effects that have pushed <coughs> Sour Diesel to its legendary status. Stress, pain, and depression <coughs> fade away in long-lasting relief that makes Sour Diesel a top choice among medical patients. This strain took root in the early 90s and it is believed to have descended from chemdog 91 and Super Skunk.
1: Pretty cool. Very cool. Boy, <clears throat> it was so piney on my throat. It, it bordered on minty. You know that mint feeling? We have like a strong menthol. That's that's kind of the feeling I had there briefly in the throat. It, it, potent.
0: Nice. Very cool. Ah, I love that. Um, what am I reading here? Uh, review highlights. This is my ideal strain my god I got off my antidepressants when I found this strain it's all I smoke and I couldn't be happier I feel sexier I'm happy I'm horny okay well it's getting, it's getting <laughs> what's the name of that reviewer sex metal barbie 420 you should have known <laughs> walking have, into that one I could have probably called that one out but hey you do <laughs> you girl rock and roll hoa hi oh.
1: so Dan do you feel any hornier Oh, it's hard to know the hard to know the horniness levels. I have to check my uh, my dipstick or whatever. You ready for my fluids are at? You ready for a warm bath? Um, I do. I feel as though I've slipped into a warm bath. Um, it feels like somebody has war- filled me full of a sudsy, bubbly substance that has percolated up through my toes, um, rested in my shoulders, and continued to make a nesting ground, uh, roost right down in my forehead. And uh, it's written me a small letter here. It says, "Your student loans are paid off. You did it." Nice.
0: Well, that's. I mean, Amen. It sounds like your your uh, your journalism
1: has has really come up a notch. There, I feel like Anderson Cooper was delivering to me that description. I appreciate that. I've been practicing my enunciations and uh, a soliloquy here or there. I once had an enunciation too. It clears up with a little cream. It's a little cream on the enuncial area. Yes, yes, indeed.
0: All right, man. Well, let's um before this uh you know this gets a little too groovy. Uh, why don't we go ahead and blast into these news items? <laughs> is, here's a weird he- head headline on the verge. Uh, Microsoft and Sony are teaming up for the future of gaming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pardon <laughs> what so, so um sorry so listen it's not totally unprecedented so amazon google both are getting into the um the streaming game world and that's a scary gaming thing
1: on demand
0: yeah that god Ooh, spooky um yeah and listen gaming on demand makes a ton of sense uh I have, as a, as a stickler for video game boxes, packaging, physical discs, all of that good stuff, I can tell you that I will be very sad when gaming moves to a predominantly. Um, Digital medium; it already has in many ways, but being able to stream it as opposed to download it and then play it, or stream it on a low uh, systems specifications um, like PC, for example, all of these streaming options that are coming up are fascinating to me. It would make makes kind of sense that Microsoft and Sony, specifically Sony, who's not, I, I think, is a little bit behind in the cloud world, um, would. Potentially look at teaming up with Microsoft, who has a pretty established cloud. What's the name of their cloud uh, ecosystem or...
1: Microsoft uses something called Azure and you're so right Uh, PlayStation already has an offering for cloud gaming it's let's say it's serviceable any game that has a need for fast twitchy controllers it doesn't work at all they suffer from input lag and then you know that's a major hurdle from them and gaming as a service gaming on demand Mm -hmm. uh, you know streaming gameplay is going to require a couple things some serious hardware which is why it's good it will be better on the next generation systems but without a big fat pipe on upload and download you're going to suffer latency issues so these guys have recognized there's other competitors on the field like you mentioned they look up there's amazon you know they have aws a huge web hosting service well, that's where amazon makes all their money literally which is crazy uh, yes you know uh, telecom- being a telecommunication company is a nice sneaky backdoor business and everybody right now is is bracing themselves for the big shift as these guys make a serious play at the giant market that is video games and you know talking about fundamentally shifting the cause the old guard though playstation xbox are not putting down the gauntlet of of discs yet because we know playstation has a disc drive and that virtually guarantees that the next xbox will have one as well
0: yeah no no that makes perfect sense to me um i wouldn't like Here's the other element, right? You've got, you're talking about the the size of the pipe. I can barely check my freaking email some days, Dan. You know, there's, at home I've got internet issues. You know, I live in, I I wouldn't call it rural, but I'm not in a major city center. I'm somewhat outside. Um, And I have cable internet. And it has its temperaments and I live in an older house and sometimes the, the signal has an issue getting around via my router. You know, my PS4 is upstairs. My router is downstairs. I can't be bothered to hardwire the thing. Um, so streaming gaming is going to be a little while for me. It's a little ways out cause some, t- some days I just have such terrible internet that it's hard to do basic browsing. Never mind
1: stream far cry nine. Right. It really underscores the beauty of uh, having a house that you buy that is already wired uh, in the modern. Like, I want every room to have Cat 6, you know. Sure. Uh, I want to have, a, you know two wireless access points i want i want some serious coverage and uh, when your house was built uh, just when electricity was uh making its waves on the scene like yours andy uh you know that that presents a serious challenge nerd <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful and uh, to be honest with you the future of high speed internet gives me the willies i mean uh elon musk is right about to fire some low earth orbit satellites in fact they're already up there uh he's just uh We've just learned, and he's got like fifteen thousand of them, or fifteen hundred of them, and uh, he's going to offer Wi-Fi speeds of internet connectivity everywhere for free. Sure. All right. Well, the future is here, and uh, it's not actually. It's it's maybe coming, maybe. Uh, buddy, it's it's right around the corner, and this is the same guy who's talking about uh, neuralink technology. That's you know uh, saying, hey, you could probably we could probably interface with machines on the neural level. And it's not infeasible to be doing some kind of knowledge download or upload, and that concept is just so mind-boggling. It's like, okay, the Matrix is tomorrow. It's now.
0: Yeah, downloading. St- anyway, I don't want to talk about downloading stuff into my brain. That's some System Shock two shit.
1: <laughs> it's, it's like it's a good thing we do have sci-fi. That's essentially like humanity mind mapping what the future plans for like things like ai and you know uh synthetic selves synthetic beings you know all those things we've like somewhere in our subconscious we're like we actually have to figure this stuff out because it's probably going to happen sooner than we think well ai is one thing man but like how about how about ai that
0: uh forget so you just talked about a download of information to your own brain can you imagine that like okay yeah ai is one thing and that's going to develop and it's going to be a thing and he, hope hopefully human bias is something that can that can keep ai and humanity distinct enough for us to remain you know uh, in control of that situation for for as long as possible because if terminators taught me anything it's that That won't happen. Um, But, you know, the idea of someone, oh, tomorrow, instead of going to university, you can just download all that information in my brain. That's cool. Until, like, you know, I I am walking down the street one day and feel compelled
1: to vote for Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, like, what kind of antivirus? Like, I need my brain to be offline. I need to not... Like, upload anything to my brain. Like, the the curation of what goes into your own mind and then becomes a thing. And, like, the fact that we have things like retrovirus virus CRISPR that can copy synthetic DNA to real DNA in your body, to effectively changing people's uh, genetic nucleotides. Oh, like, come on, the don't limit? say that
0: word on this podcast, oh, oh,
1: Keep your genetic I, I, nucleotides out of here i i'm sorry i just like it's like where where do the boundaries go when you're just like yeah i can turn genes on and off i can download knowledge into my brain like it's things start, start to get weird real fast yeah
0: Ugh. well the future is terrifying i like my video games on discs
1: in cd cases <laughs> and Doom on 5 floppies. yeah How many floppies was Doom on? I bet you it was just one. I, think I it was bet one you floppy. was coded tightly enough. Now, DUNE,
0: D U N E was on like 9 floppies. Um and that game looked really cool. I bought it at a yard sale in like late 90s. Got really pumped to play it. Still have no idea how to install or how I could have installed. I inserted floppy 1, which seemed like the reasonable choice at the time, into my floppy drive and then just nothing happened. Um and then I never got to play Dune.
1: I wonder wow. how that was reviewed. Wow.
0: Dune PC. Let's take a look. Let's go back in time, so Andy. Way back when
1: Doom was five. Doom two was five discs. Mm. Um and real G's a real G knows how many discs Windows three point one was. Holy and I don't remember. Balls.
0: This game was apparently like the second coming man like five out of five on free game empire four point out of five on my Abandonware. it's a 1992 adventure strategy video game uh single player experience based on frank herbert's science fiction novel which i of course loved did you like dune i liked i love dune i have not seen
1: dune no i mean the book i i've not read a dune i i've only know of it through other references i've seen like a little documentary about the dune movie that they didn't make that was going to be directed by jodorowsky mm. like it, it it famously the it, the stones were signed up uh on for the cast um there's a number of other other castings and it got cut off because it was like running over budget by 20 million dollars like in the 70s so it didn't get made sure but uh that's how I know about doing. I didn't read the books. but I'm into it. Sandworms, all that stuff. Now, was this the point and click version? Uh, uh, adventure I'm trying version to find out more
0: of it. I said a naughty word earlier on, which was the uh, the name of the review platform that is allowing you to download this game for free, which I don't think. Like literally, when you like the 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 call to action button is DOLOAD now so I don't know if this is a credible review platform
1: (laughs) that's a good way not to get picked up by 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 a search algorithm and it's you know it's a tough it's a tough world out there for people who are making games available that maybe otherwise wouldn't be and really are preserving our art form because you know in some cases the, the companies are selling these games but in many cases they're so far out of license or any holdership that it's like yeah they They just, uh, you know, they provide it as a service. But, uh, you know, there'd be lawyers out there hunting for these things, ready to cash a check.
0: Yeah. So this is a hybrid strategy role playing tactical video game that you have conversations as, uh, you know, as um, Paula trades. And then uh, towards the end, there's uh, establish an army and fight the Harkonnens, which is the you know the culmination of the the actual book. Bu- anyway, well reviewed. People like this game. Um, I could never play it because it was on floppies, so that sucks. There goes some uh, childhood rough. memories I could have had. Uh, anyway, that's all fine and dandy, no problem there. Um, Dota is there's a new Dota trademark registered by Valve, which is kind of neat. So, um, some speculation has begun as to what that might be. Uh, a game, obviously. Could it be an action RPG or or uh, some sort of Dota spin-off? Kind of neat that Valve is is exploring that, especially considering they they had this big title come out towards the beginning of the year. Are you familiar with Artifact? Have you heard of Artifact? I, it's a card game? Yeah, it's a card game in the vein of like a Hearthstone, and it was supposed to be like next-gen Hearthstone with you know, a more intricate, complex card game system and and better graphics and better interface and all this other stuff. Um, And it had some pretty significant numbers out the gate on day one and petered off to almost nothing like a few days later. So um, I don't know if they're going to continue supporting that title, if they're, you know, backing off and going in a different direction with this new Dota Underlords trademark. Maybe they're just going to continue developing both, which is likely, but... um, yeah, that's a bummer for bummer for Valve, unfortunately.
1: Andy, it's like every company that had a business analyst got told how much Tencent was making in the mobile market. Like it's like eighty-six billion dollars or something, and everyone went, "Okay, we all need to get a piece of that smaller mobile market, that mobile gaming on phones and stuff." So they're, they're everything's being put on the mobile, and everybody's trying to jump to have some mobile offering that's monetized, has some buy-up, and it's been a it's been a uh, a shit show well i'll, I'll be clear uh,
0: that's this so just sorry not to cut you off but artifact is not a mobile title i don't believe this is steam only um oh. so you're i mean obviously yeah artifact on steam so it's this this is not a uh this is not an ios mm, oh wait a minute wait a minute uno mas uno mas yes it says ios i'm skeptical
1: though let me see yeah you were saying. Wait, this has been a Google-heavy episode. No, it's like uh, everybody got to advise that, and there's been some various varying levels of success. I believe the Bethesda one got pulled down uh, because of a couple reasons, but one of them is the obvious monetization curve that was experienced on that game that really broke the fun and the fact that I guess large of it, parts of it were like copied and pasted from another game. I forget if it was code or whatever, but it was pretty egregious and obvious that it would they had ripped someone had ripped code from another mobile game and repurposed it. And that that, that shows you the kind of rush to market we're dealing with. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean that's yeah, the
0: mobile market is rife with that kind of stuff. But um you know, I sorry. So Artifact is not on IOS? Uh, cannot find it in the app store not a thing um hearthstone you know i think is of course the greatest example and actually speaking of genre defining games i would state that hearthstone is really the best example of the you know uh digital card game i think that it's the first one that reached mass appeal and created uh, that ecosystem so there's another one for your for your example um but yeah, Artifact seems to have not been able to even put a slight dent in, Hearthf- or in Hearthstone. And understandably so. It's not mobile, so we're talking about two separate things. But yeah, Artifact seems to have not caught on, and it's still got a 6 out of 10 rating on Steam. So, after out of 17,000 reviews.
1: Yeah, my, my prediction is they're going to
0: cut and run. <laughs> and I think it's... oh. I actually didn't know this. So Richard Garfield actually helped to develop Artifact. That's huge. Like Richard, oh, really? Yeah, Richard Garfield developed Magic the Gathering. So he's got right. a pretty significant track record of developing, um, you know, developing collectible card games. So it's pretty Magic
1: uh, is was is like the most successful card game, trading card game ever conceived of. Yes, uh, oh, I think it's still. Oh yeah, man, Magic the Gathering is a big thing. It's. Um, i think it's the most the most successful i think it has that that honorific still
0: magic the Gathering revenue so uh let me see here hasbro who owns magic the gathering uh wow well sorry so magic is the biggest brand in its 1.2 billion dollar games portfolio um and it looks like come on Oh, I really want to get the number for Magic the Gathering.
1: Yeah, I think I, re- I read that quite recently. I think I read that quite recently. Wow.
0: Sorry, it, they don't have a $1.2 billion uh, portfolio. It, it looks like $5 billion. Jesus. That's a lot of dollars. <laughs> That's a couple dollars. Yeah. Uh, what so year was so this? it's coming in guy, 2017. It's 2016
1: yeah, it's a full, big deal. full
0: year net revenues of $5 billion goodness I wonder where they're at today I don't know
1: but I don't know about you Andy but I don't know how interested I am in playing like picking up an online card game I don't know how much that that interests me that being said I am knee deep into uh, the cultist simulator have you heard about this game the cultist simulator no I got it on a in a humble bundle package let me say that again take two I got it in a humble bundle package humble bundle and uh, humble bundle Humble bundle as bundles how you bundle bundles treating How are you? you feeling about anyway, your bundles? I, this is a game that I was from a small NDA developer, and it, it drops you in, and you're literally looking at a tableau. It actually, when you look at it, it kind of looks like at the top of an altar, is how I interpret it. And I think you have two skills, like these little skills on the altar, and one is work, and the other one is dream, mm. I think. And you have like three resources. You have heart, focus and passion or something and you can feed a skill in and it'll take some time and then do a thing and by doing that you get a job and then you start looking into the occult and there is such a huge amount of lore books you can find you have to uh, translate them in so you can read them you you have to actually follow uh uh, uh like some of the old ones Uh, rules for uh like uh interacting with the nether realms with magic and stuff and it, 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 it there's no tutorial it just drops you in and you have to figure it out so it it has this feeling of esoteric lore you're literally like pining through the darkness trying to piece together how you have to use this lore that you're picking up to do certain things to cast spells to um uh, get more followers, uh, things of that nature. And it is so addictive. I, I, I'm I, like, I'm going to play this for five minutes, and it just had me in such an investigation and uh, space where I, was, I played for like three and a half hours. That's like ex- ex-
0: exactly what... So America, this is the America's army for
1: cults, and you've been indoctrinated. Oh. Well, in this particular cult, I think I'm the leader. I've, <laughs> I have only have two <laughs> followers. But it, it's crazy. There's uh, As you do things, it kicks up noise notoriety which causes you to have more chance of attracting an investigator and then the investigator if you get more notoriety and do and some other factors they then will get more and more evidence and depending on the investigator they may be more likely to take action with a certain kind of evidence or now' it like if they're a priest they will they will they might catch on to your spells or your mutilations if they're a detective they may they may catch on more from your poking around and there's, like searching for information damn sounds it's, insane Dan. it it <laughs> and like buddy this narrative all happens through this tableau that you're feeding cards into you get scales which you level up with the various uh, resources that you get combined with knowledge you gain more uh, Sorry, this uh, is a like card those game re- like it's a like it's, it, like it's a card game all- and you're starting a cult and
0: people are investigating you and the journey of a big cult starts with three schmoes in a basement and an
1: investigator it, it, yeah, it's it's literally starts with you hating your job and then it's like this, you know, it's like the 1700s and you or no more like the 1800s and you stumble upon some esoteric occult information that, you know, uh, awakens something inside you. You're like I'm going to start a cult. So- it, it's the way it is delivered is so uh self-starting. You have to be reading the little blurbs and following it, but uh, if you're into this type of like uh, any of it. I'm surprised how cap- captivating it
0: was. I mean, it must have been a much better climate for cults in the 1800s, because I'm pretty sure everybody hated their jobs. You were basically like you know, a settler or, or a settler.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? so I have to correct Your myself. job was living. Like, I, f- I feel like this might take... Com- place in the early 1800s maybe i'll have to look deeper into lore i have to say the game doesn't hold your hand at all like there's no tutorial and i i resisted as long as i could before i looked up any wikis or uh looked at any youtube videos i think i played it for like two and a half hours wow because i'm and I'm, i'm that far in i'm like okay i need to know what the efficient way to do some of this stuff is gotcha but uh even on the wikis and stuff they're they're they don't you everything they kind of just guide you towards it so it's it's a very cool game if any of this sounds sounds up your alley hit it up i still don't know uh what it is uh but it sounds uh
0: sounds interesting and that's exactly what you know what the pitch for a, for a good cult should elicit so i think job well done supreme leader
1: thank you yeah. thank you well
0: played well played um Let's, uh, let's wrap this up shortly here. There's an article by cbc.ca, the Canadian broadcast company, um, about Canadians beginning to plant weed. This is indeed the first season uh, where, you know, we've got recreational cannabis and you can plant four plants per household in your backyard. Um, and I'm curious, you know, it, how many folks who are cannabis consumers will take this seriously? I know myself, I will not. It's not something I plan on trying because, um, you know, my opinion of of growing cannabis is is still one of um, believing the skill curve is likely too high for me to want to invest the amount of time learning how to do it that I'd need to do so, other than just you know going down to my local cannabis retail store and buying that, right? Um, but there's some interesting points that the article brings up. Uh, you know, on, on the plus side, there's the cost savings and, you know, you can get dramatically more cannabis and you can plant seeds uh, from licensed producers like flower and I believe Aurora and canopy, et cetera. Um, and then the other side, there's some interesting challenges, but sorry, are you, are you thinking of growing some cannabis this year, Dan?
1: Here's how I, I play it. If I could plant tomatoes, I would, I don't have the spot for it for it to make sense, and i would plant weed if i could to pick something that would grow in my biome something that's low maintenance and you know i don't i don't need to be uh, hyper focused on getting the maximum yield or crazy potency just let it do what it's going to do and i think it's cool to grow your own stuff i think that's right up my alley
0: yeah well i mean you know again i, I don't want to talk out my backside about the early phases early stages of growing cannabis you know germinating seeds and getting things getting things going i know that part of the conversation is around okay well can cannabis retailers sell clones and if you think about put yourself in the shoes of someone running a retail store um Clones is a challenging thing because you have to keep them alive while they're sitting on the shelf waiting to be purchased, right? Now you're turning your weed store where you're selling, you know, generally dried cannabis and bongs into a garden center, which is probably not a thing, right? So, but that's the only place that, and I don't know when or if clones will be or are legal, but when we get to that point, you have to be a cannabis retailer to sell clones. You can't just buy it at like, you know, a garden store or a weed growing store. I'm sure many of those are cropping up. So it's going to be weird because I can't see a lot of cannabis retailers wanting to dedicate space to selling clones. Yeah, it's a
1: weird space. It's a challenge of, you know, managing a plant like it's a controlled substance because, you know, unlike, say, beer or a firearm, it's like, grows you can plant it it's all these plant qualities makes it hard to you know do you shut down a local garden center if they sell somebody some soil yeah i i don't know you know what i mean yeah it's like you're an accessory to this drug dealer over here
0: yeah i mean so it's interesting because you know the uh the police um Toronto drug squad has a uh, has a quote here in the article that says cuz like again there's a four household limit right and so the four or sorry a four plant per household plant. limit and so yeah. you know that begs the question who's going to enforce that (laughs) and and on record you know uh this gentleman from the toronto drug squad says to suggest that we're going to have teams of officers peeking into people's backyards to see if they're growing four plants is just not realistic um adding that the drug squad will only investigate if there's a complaint so it looks like um you know there's the four the four plant limit kind of put in there to uh, create something enforceable if there's an issue with people, you know, growing, 100% yeah. growing cannabis for sale or for distribution or for illegal criminal activities or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, if you got your fifth plant growing or, you know, you didn't mean to plant five plants, but you accidentally did, you probably are okay to not chop down that fifth plant in case one of them kicks the bucket. I don't, I'm not endorsing anything. I'm saying, you know, keep it to four plants. If I was growing, I'd do four plants. Just saying.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a rule of thumb on that one. You know, it's just like an eyeballing. Because, listen, you can do a lot with four plants if if that's the growing restriction. If you see some of these scrogging methods where they use like a low-lying fence near the base of the plant, like uh, perpendicular, it causes the plant to grow around those and create individual shoots, uh, you know, uh, 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 branches that are all off the same plant. You get a huge yield from four plants. You just need to know how to do it. You know, so reasonably you can grow as much as you could... That you would need to, you know what I mean? No, no, I, I, yeah, I,
0: again, I'm not, I'm not a a cannabis grower, but that, that makes good sense to me. I think it's like, you know, it's probably going to be like a, Hey, you know, if you want to grow some cannabis, do it. Just don't be a dink about it, you know, grow it for you, maybe grow it to pass off to another consenting adult that you would like to share your, uh, your situation with. Um, but probably don't grow it with a mind towards, you know, Driving it down to the local's farmer's market, or starting a motorcycle gang.
1: <laughs> These are good tips. This is what my dad told me at my wedding. Um, it, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but uh, I this uh, this sour diesel has made me feel like I've melted slightly as a person. I've like I've folded to one side. I got a certain swerve on now.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like an ice cream cone in the sun. Um, I had a point to make. Oh, yeah. End of this article talking about <laughs> this gentleman who's being quoted. Um, he has only one worry. People stealing his stash. And you know what? To be fair, super relevant because you're growing this outside. Um, and actually brings up some challenges like, you know, I can imagine that there's probably a neighborhood kid or two that wouldn't mind stealing some restricted uh not list excuse me, but restricted substances from their neighbor's backyard if it's as easy as just plucking a, a bud off of a bush. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I mean that is kind of a concern. But how to what lengths is anybody gonna go? to protect their cannabis stash in their backyard, you know?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, You're going to definitely have to dig a pit trap. Uh, Ideally, you have some pointed sticks um, down there. Um, Probably, if you cover them in some kind of feculence, that'll cause the wound to, you know, really really get uh, infected. And that'll be a really effective defensive measure. What do you you think?
0: Hmm. Statements Mm -hmm, made mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. Dan are not necessarily those held by the network or Andy in general and should be considered only Dan's statements. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm just Andy only if you need to repel uh, an enemy, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it's important to know that. Uh-huh. You know, it could be in a zombie situation. Listen my you friend, know, gotta when, when have Diamond knowledge.
0: and Diamond personal injury lawyers and uh, thank you're welcome Diamond and Diamond for plugging you guys uh, unnecessarily. But without compensation, I'll I'll be awaiting my royalty check. But when they give you a ring because one of their one of their clients is complaining about a uh, an unruly defensive pot farmer that has uh, electrified a fence around uh, you know their their pink Kush. Um, you just just don't just don't implicate me, okay? All right.
1: Uh, well, you know, Diamond and Diamond is going to have their their job cut out for them because I'm using Jim the Hammer Shapiro <laughs> or some other of the 1800 lawyers that have the name the Hammer. I'm bringing that guy. I hate
0: to break it to you, but Diamond and Diamond is. Uh, Diamond and Diamond has got their shit together. You're in big trouble if it's Diamond and Diamond.
1: Uh, I know that uh, Jim happens to work with Diamond and Diamond and Diamond, and that's one more diamond. I don't think you're prepared. That's three that's, diamonds.
0: Uh, full, it's another diamond. This should be like a sport, like TV commercial lawyers duke it out in a, in a lawyer session also known as a court hearing
1: you know lawyers from the south because commercial involves uh, like a, an increasingly sized truck and that has become like one guy you puts a you know an f-150 and his commercial in the background so the next guy's got like a full crew cab and then the guy like, after that he's just like standing on a transport truck with a big set of bullhorns and he's he's like you know ready to flip the bitch
0: All right. Well, I believe we've officially... Yep, there we go. We've officially jumped the shark. So, uh, listener questions or games you'd like us to play, hit us up
1: at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. And uh, do your old pal Dan a favor and recommend this jalopy to a close personal friend. Or don't. We're not your
0: dads. We're not your dads. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid for that live squishing session that will happen sometime in the not so far future. Until next
1: time. Please, my friends, keep it dank. Fuck, I am high.